Hi friends, and welcome to another bonus episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. Uh, We've made it through Holy Week and through Easter, and now we're into the Easter week. And so just as an additional podcast before we begin any new series on these podcast episodes or on our teaching series on Sundays as well, uh, I just wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, If you were in church on Sunday, you heard the wonderful Janine read the first part of this actual part of the story. And so I just want to read that again and then continue it on as well. It's taken, uh, it's the gospel story, but taken from a a retelling of it's done more in a kind of storybook telling. And the the book is called The Book of Books and it's the Bible retold by Trevor Dennis if uh, you're interested or want to get yourself a copy. It's very, very good. I would um, definitely um, encourage it, uh, especially if you've got um, younger people that you're trying to introduce to the Bible as well. It lends itself that way in a very kind of narrative-driven, uh, yeah, like fairy tale kind of storybook kind of style. It's, it's an epic uh, to hark back to a couple of episodes before. Um, so with all that said, I'm going to just uh, read through that. Um, Just before that though, just a little bit of housekeeping, Uh, you can get in contact with us, uh, whether you've got questions or suggestions or ideas for upcoming episodes or themes or or things that you want to hear more of um, or less of uh, on this podcast, uh, you can get in touch with us by emailing theocp at mail.com. That's theocp, so T-H-E-O-C-P at mail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Any suggestions, any feedback. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, it'd be wonderful um, if you could uh, rate it. So if you're listening through Spotify or Apple um, Podcasts or however else you're listening to the podcast, if there's a way that you can uh, give us a star rating or um, leave a little um, recommendation, that would be wonderful as well. Um, but with all that said, shameless plug-in, uh, we'll uh, hear our story. So sit back and once again, just enjoy listening to the greatest story ever told. Mary got up very early on Sunday morning and went off to the tomb. She hadn't been able to wait for the dawn. It was still dark, but there was enough light to show her when she got to the tomb something very strange had happened. The stone was rolled back from the entrance and someone had removed Jesus' body. She knew the house where Peter was hiding with Jesus' other friends, so she ran there as fast as she could. They've taken Jesus out of the tomb, she cried. I don't know where they've put him. Who would do such a thing? The tomb was in a garden. Mary told them exactly where it was and Peter and one of the others went running off to see what had happened. Mary followed them as quickly as she could. Peter's companion got there first. Mary was right. The stone, which must have sealed the entrance, had been moved aside. The sun had just risen above the horizon and its first rays shone into the tomb, turning its stone to gold. He looked inside. The tomb was empty, except for the linen shroud Joseph had used lying on the ledge where the body had been placed. Only the body wasn't there. No smell of death either. 
At that moment, Peter came running up and went straight inside. He also saw the shroud and the cloth with which Joseph must have tied around Jesus' head, but Jesus wasn't there. His companion bent his head and came in. He didn't fully understand, but he knew something very good had happened in that place. The tomb wasn't empty at all. It was full of the life of God. The two men went home bewildered, not knowing what to make of it. Yet Mary didn't leave. She had reached the tomb again, and she didn't know what to do. But she knew she couldn't leave. She hadn't deserted Jesus when he was crucified, and she wouldn't desert him now. She stood outside the tomb, weeping. Suddenly she caught the scent and the rustle of heaven. She bent down to look inside the tomb and there were two angels sitting on the ledge, as bold as brass, as if they belonged there. What was heaven doing in this garden? It wasn't the time for heaven. It was the time for tears, and plenty of them. Why are you crying? the angels asked. Why do you think? Mary answered. They've taken away my Lord, my friend, my teacher, and I don't know where they have laid him. She straightened herself. A lot of use they were. She said to herself, called themselves angels. She turned round. A figure was standing there. It was Jesus. Why are you crying? The figure said. Who are you looking for? Mary thought he must be the gardener. Oh, sir, she cried. If you have taken him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will go and fetch him. Mary, the figure said. Now she recognised the voice. It was Jesus. Teacher, she cried. She took a step forward. You can't hold on to me, Mary, said Jesus quietly. I am free now, but go to the rest of my friends and tell them what you have seen and heard and tell them I will be with God soon. Then he was gone and the angels with him. Mary went running off to tell the others. She burst in upon them and exclaimed, I have seen the Lord, I have seen him. That very evening, when the friends were all together, wondering what might happen next and still afraid that the Roman soldiers or temple guards might come looking for them, Jesus appeared among them. Peace be with you, he said. I bring you the peace of God, God's well-being, life in all its fullness, life like a watered garden. Mary of Magdala understood, but the others couldn't believe their eyes or ears. The last time most of them had seen Jesus, he was being dragged off by the temple guard from Gethsemane. But then Jesus showed them the marks of crucifixion and they knew for certain who it was. They were overjoyed. They'd thought everything was lost. They'd thought that tyranny had won. They'd thought the dark forces had got him at last and that death was holding him tight. But death can't hold the life of God. They knew that now. They could see and hear that it was true. Peace be with you, Jesus said again. Just as God, our Father, sent me, so I send you. You must continue the work I have begun. Then he breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Go and take God's forgiveness into the world. Once upon a time, in the Garden of Eden, God had got down on his hands and knees and breathed life into the first human child. So now, the risen Jesus, fresh from his victory over the dark forces of tyranny and death, breathed new life into his friends.
Life that would mean they could live life in all its fullness and bring life and blessing to others. But there was one of Jesus' close friends who was missing. A man called Thomas. He had gone to Golgotha, wanting to see the place where Jesus had died. When he came back, the others told him the news with great excitement. We have seen the Lord, they cried. Jesus was crucified, Thomas replied bitterly. He'll be marked for eternity by that cruel death. I won't believe what you say unless I see for myself its scars upon him. Thomas was right, of course. Jesus couldn't have returned to life as if nothing had happened. If he was risen from the dead, then he would take the marks of crucifixion into the heart of God and heaven and earth would be changed by them. Another week passed. Thomas was still sunk in grief. Every day he went to Golgotha. The pain of losing Jesus was unbearable, almost like the pain of crucifixion. Then Jesus came to them once more, and this time Thomas was there. Peace be with you, Jesus said. He looked at Thomas. See, Thomas, he said to him, look at these marks upon me, the marks of nails and thorns, the marks of their brutality. Reach out and touch. But how can you touch the very life of God? Thomas didn't try. He simply answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus' friends left Jerusalem and returned to Galilee. One day, seven of them were sitting on the shore of Lake Galilee, looking out across the water. Peter was there, and Thomas, and James and John. They remembered the time when they had been out in the boat and nearly drowned in a terrifying storm. A wave as big as a cliff had been about to smash them to pieces, but Jesus had woken up, made the wave disappear, and turned the lake into a flat calm. They hadn't been able to work it out then. They understood now. Let's go fishing, Peter said suddenly. What a good idea, they said, just like old times. In fact, the old times were gone. With Jesus risen from the dead, these were strange new times. It was as if the world was brand new, fresh from the hand of God. They spent the whole night fishing. They caught nothing. As the sky above the eastern hills began to turn red, they started to head back for shore. It was very strange. Just like the day, thought Peter, James and John, when Jesus had first called them to follow him. As the boat approached the shore, they could see a figure standing there. He seemed to be waiting for them. Have you caught anything? The figure shouted. Not a thing, they called back. Throw the net over the right side of the boat and see what you get, the stranger figure, strange figure said. Peter, James and John looked at one another. Their memories of that earlier day's fishing became even clearer. They cast the net over the right side of the boat and immediately it got so full of fish they could scarcely haul it in. The figure on the beach laughed. I know who that is, one of the friends cried. I'd recognise that laugh anywhere. It's Jesus, our friend, our Lord. Peter couldn't wait to meet him. He jumped into the water and swam to the shore while the others brought the boat in. A charcoal fire was burning on the beach. Fish for breakfast, I think, Jesus said and laughed again. It was like the laughter of God. Peter helped his friends bring the catch ashore. There was bread as well. Jesus took the bread and some of the fish and gave it to them. 
They remembered the time when Jesus had fed all those poor starving people by the lakeside. It was a meal of bread and fish then as well. The friends hadn't really understood at the time what it all meant. They understood now. When the meal was over, Jesus turned to Peter. Peter, said Jesus, do you love me more than anyone else? Yes, Lord, replied Peter. You know I love you. Then look after my people for me, said Jesus. He said a second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my people. A third time he said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, Peter said, you have the wisdom of God. You know all there is to know. You know I love you. Feed my people, Jesus said. Take away their hunger. He paused. Then very quietly, he said the same words he had said to Peter when he had first met him. Come with me. Three times Peter had denied Jesus. Three times by the house of the high priest, he had said he didn't even know who Jesus was. He had let him down just when he needed him most. He hadn't been there to see him die or give him any comfort in those last terrible hours. Peter had thought he would never forgive himself for that, nor be forgiven. He thought he would bear shame for the rest of his life. But now Jesus had forgiven him and shown him he could forgive himself too. Jesus had not accused him, blamed him, judged him or condemned him. He had just asked him whether he loved him. Three times he had given him the chance to say so. Those three denials were answered now. Peter had thought he would never be able to say to Jesus how much he really loved him. But now he had. One by one those denials of his had been swallowed up by love and by forgiveness of God. Now that he was forgiven, he could indeed go with Jesus. He could follow him to the ends of the world and continue the work he had begun. Grace and peace.